How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tam Jansi. Tim, how's it going, sir? Uh, it's going good, going good. Had a fun weekend, but uh, glad that we can actually do uh, some sense work, even if the game itself was uh, interesting. Right, and thankfully, this is going to be the only week for a long time that we're going to have to talk about one game this week. Next week, we'll talk about three. But before we get into that, Tim, we need to talk about today's cover athlete. For today's episode, Season 6, Episode 17, in chronological order, Episode 141, the Craig Anderson edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. So just a little background about Craig Anderson. He was drafted 77th overall by the Calgary Flames in 1999, and later was redrafted by the Chicago Blackhawks, 73rd overall in 2001. He spent 10 seasons with the Ottawa Senators, recording 202 wins, 168 losses, and 46 overtime losses with a 914 save percentage, and is currently in his 20th NHL season with the Buffalo Sabres. So, you know how we were talking about last week with Patrick Aldean, Tim, and we constantly brought up Craig Anderson's name. We'd mentioned what a workhorse he was and what a great goal he was. I think those are the key words you really need to use with talking about our cover athlete for this week. Well, the fact that he is still in the NHL despite being 40 is testament to that. And he's still playing well. I was going to say, is he 42? Yeah. But like, yeah, it's nuts that he is continued to have an effective NHL career throughout the rest of that road <laughs> over 20, almost 20 years at this point. Yeah. And it's really amazing. Like I said, I mean, he was drafted twice, so this was not an easy road for him to get to the NHL. He didn't become a full-time starter until 2010. He had a great season with the avalanche, not a so good one the next year. And then he became an Ottawa Senator. That's where he fully blossomed. Now, when talking about Craig Anderson, Tim, you know, I could talk about all the wins and all the great memories he gave, but I think that his biggest achievement as an Ottawa Senator, the 2016-17 season, he was not only our starting goaltender, one win away from the Stanley Cup Finals, he was also the winner of the Masterson Trophy that same year. Yeah, and uh, it really just showed a deep love and perseverance when... uh... He took a leave of absence uh, to be with his wife during her fight with cancer, then comes back 50 games shut, sorry, 50 shots shut out, then carries the team to within a within a goal, within a breakaway of the Stanley Cup final. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the goalie that Craig Anderson beat in that game, current Ottawa Senators goaltender Cam Talbot. It's kind of funny how those connections work, but I'm glad to see that he... Craig Anderson's career is continuing in Buffalo. And I'll be interested to see uh, if he could continue to be a solid backup option for the Sabres into his late, into his mid forties. Yeah. Maybe he pulls a Tom Brady and pulls works. Yeah. Plays till he's 45. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it would be he nuts. Doesn't, hopefully he doesn't fall off a cliff like Brady did at 45, but you know, this is what it is, right? Now, we're talking about Craig Anderson, Tim, I did mention the word workhorse. And for me, and I've always mentioned the comparison I make with pro wrestling, because I always say Craig Anderson definitely was like the Bret Hart of the Sens. When you really think of like these big flashy goalies that were coming in, trying to take his job, and he was just the workhorse who put the time in, got the W's, and I don't think we fully appreciated it until we really look back on it. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny uh, when you look at the similarity scores that hockey reference generates for every player. And I think it's just like an eigenvector decomposition. The names that come out are like Nikolai Habibulin, Mike Richter, Kelly Rudy, Grant Fuhr, Mike Smith, Gump Worsley. What a great name. Gump Worsley. Worsley, yeah. And it's like, there are some Hall of Famers in there. And Jonathan Quick is on there too. And I wouldn't be surprised if Quick ends up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him as a Hall of Famer. I don't know he if he is a first ballad. He would be a borderline first ballad, I would think. He has two cups and a con smythe. I know, but still, I don't know. There's something about him. I think that's just... He I probably played too long. 
Do you think he? Do you think that's what it was? Yeah, because he, like, for the first half of his career, his low point, like up until that 2017-2018 season, his low point was a point nine oh two, but he was generally a point nine point nine point nine one point nine two goaltender, and then the wheels came off the bus. Yeah. No, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. I just don't see a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, and he's won the Jennings twice. Has he? Yeah. Won the cart. He's won the Consmith once. The surprising thing is he's never won a Vesnia. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the who would have won the Vesnia during the uh, 2012. He the Vesnia went to Lundquist. Okay, I can see Lundquist. Okay, here's the goalies I can see winning it before him, okay? Yeah. Lundqvist, Terry Price, Pekka Tukarask has Tukarask run it before him. Yep. I'm going to say Vasilevsky. But it's like, what I'm really surprised is the in the years that like Quick won a Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. it was the other goaltender that got the Vesnia. So he's definitely one of he was hit by the curse of West Coast get no respect. Like a hundred percent. But uh going back to Craig Anderson, he definitely keeps great company despite not having the hardware. Yeah, but you know what though, and I think we've mentioned this in the past, right? Is that greatness nowadays you don't really need to win a ton of hardware to be considered a great goalie. Actually, speaking of someone who's got in a couple seasons got more uh, Vesnia votes than uh, our friend uh, Jonathan Quick, Craig Anderson. Amazing. Yeah, in that 2013-2014, sorry, 2012-2013 season, Craig Anderson came fourth in Vesnia voting. Cool. What's kind of wild is in that season he won the Masters and he didn't, Craig Anderson didn't place the Vesnia. You know who's going to say? What about Ben Bishop? You think Ben Bishop won a Vesna? I don't know. But then again, it's always... <sighs> I've never been a big fan of the voting awards. Because they never go to the right person. Like in 2016, 2017, how the hell did Bobrovsky win it? Mm, I don't know. Like he got a point three one on nine three one on the jackets, sure. And like the Vesna... The the playoffs don't affect the regular season, but did you see what Craig Anderson did that season? True. So yeah, basically, maybe hockey writers shouldn't be allowed to vote. Do you think it's one of things where the fans should be able to vote on it? Or do you think it should be a league thing? Honestly, I wish there was a there was some sort of better metric. Make it something more like the Jennings, but not based on number of goals let in. Because number of goals let in is definitely a team stat. True, but the goaltending definitely is a big part of that, though. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Like, if Martin Jones won the Jennings this year, would you credit that to 0.89 save percentage Martin Jones? No. It is entirely possible that a team's defense is so good that the goalie just has to have a pulse, right? True. So, like, that is the flaw, the flaw of the Jennings Award. Yeah, but you know what? You look back on some of the great goalies. I mean, here's a good example was Martin Brodeur. Was he a great goalie because he was a great goalie? Or was he a great goalie because he played in that devil's trap defense style? Well, I think Hashik was the better goalie, let's be real. But I mean, I'm a Hasek guy myself. Yeah, but you know. there's no denying that Martin Brodeur was skilled. He probably had higher save percentages because of the trap system. But like, remember, absolute goals is also a function of the number of of, of attempts. And if those att- and number of attempts that actually get to the net, if your defense is stifling the number of attempts, it's stifling, reducing the amount of those that get shot and then even hit the net by forcing them to crack the areas of the ice, like the devil's trap, mm-hmm. then that's going to reduce all sequel, reduce the amount of goals you face. And if it's sufficient enough and we get to a situation as ridiculous as Seattle with Martin Jones, then yeah. So yeah, the, the Jennings award is kind of flawed. 
you know, as much as I've been enjoying our discussion here about the Jennings Trophy and everything we've been talking about, it would only delay inevitable that we got to talk about next week's cover athlete poll for season six, episode 18, in chronological order, episode 142. Now, we got some names on the board, Tim. Possible legends, maybe. Possible names that people have forgotten. That's left to the listeners to decide. The three names on the board are Denny Lambert, Tom Pricing, and Victor Lodin. Are we getting into that point where we're seeing some names we recognize, but then prospects, and then I played NHL? Yep. Amazing. Right? But you know how much I love the... I remember this guy from EA's NHL games and nothing else. That definitely moves an episode along. It does. But you know what also moves the episode along, Tim? Is asking the epi- is asking the question that everybody likes knowing every single week. Now, usually I would ask, how was your week start? But I got to ask, what was your honest thoughts on this past Sunday's Super Bowl? Uh, I only got to watch the first three quarters because uh, we had dance lessons. And... Uh... It was a really fun game to watch. Like, it was just offense blitzing offense. With the exception of Philadelphia throwing a few interceptions. Otherwise, it was like a really tight offensive, well-played game. It was. It was one of those games that, you know what? I was thoroughly entertained the entire way. It was one of those games where there was never a moment where I'm looking at my clock or or at my phone going like, okay, how much longer do we got in this? It's not like last year's Super Bowl where... You can tell it was not the best game in the world. But this one definitely made up for it. It was just two high offensive teams playing great. And it was a really good Super Bowl to match. I didn't actually get to watch the halftime show. How was Rihanna? Okay, so this is funny. <laughs> Excuse me. So I have these. I have a few comments to make on this past Sunday Super Bowl. And I'm glad you mentioned the Rihanna halftime show because you got to keep in mind. She hasn't performed live in six years. And honestly, it was good. Yeah, it was was just good. Wasn't she also pregnant? I think she was. Yeah, it was confirmed that she was pregnant, which is funny because she just had a kid, I think, like, I don't know, a couple months ago. But it was one of those things where you knew knew she was going to be a little rusty. You know, again, hasn't performed for six years. Yep. But I think overall, the set itself, it's Brianna is one of these artists that you don't realize how many hit songs in her catalog she really has until you start listening to them. And I found with her halftime show, she really played it. That's the only thing I had was that she, excuse me, she definitely played it safe. She played all the hit songs that people would know. She didn't go into the deep dive, which I would more appreciate being a, music guy myself but i thought for what she did it was really really good she brought back umbrella obviously and work and some of the really some of her more newer big songs that she's had she didn't really go into like the back catalog of her first couple of albums really that much but you know i thought for what it was it was good i know a lot of people criticized her online for either lip syncing or singing to a backing track and my whole my thing is with this, this is not anything special. No. Big name acts sing of backing tracks all the time. So think, if you go yeah. see The Weeknd or go see Drake or go see, I was going to say Kendrick Lamar or whoever you go see live, any big name artist right now, they're all singing the backing tracks. Well, that's the only way. Like Stadium acoustics are so finicky like it's the only real way that you can get it to sound good yep and that's why one of the reasons like when i go see concerts in life and i see bands singing the backing tracks i don't have a problem with it because you're absolutely right it's the acoustics of whatever venue you're in and especially because you're at a big football stadium like that you're obviously not gonna have the guy who mixes metallica yeah guys who know like for the Super Bowl, you got like the cream of the crop music people behind this. But this is different. This is not, you're not doing a Metallica show, which is like two and a half hours. 
you're doing a Rihanna set during the Super Bowl, which is like what 15, 20 minutes. And you have to get all of that set up plus all the spec all the spectacle. Yeah. Which I really in... found interesting because they didn't have any fans on the field. It was well, all because she was on her flying iPhones that looked like Final Destination from Super Smash Bros. Sorry, I mean Battlefield from Super Adam, Smash Bros. Adam sent me that thing too. He says it's good that she's sees her performance was done on a Super Smash Bros. level. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I thought it was fine. One thing, and you know what's funny? Go back to even last year's. Remember the one criticism we had with the halftime show? was that the set itself, only one side of the field saw it. Yeah. Both sides of the field saw this. <laughs> and it was good because, again, there's just platforms in the field. So that's good. You got to see Rihanna perform and whatever. So thumbs up. It was not a bad one for what it was, right? There was no yeah, special yeah. guests. There was nothing like this. Now, going to the game itself... The one big comment I really, really noted, and every I was at a Super Bowl party and everybody notices. Did you not notice how bad the field was and how slippery it was? Oh yeah. Like everyone like both teams were just all over the place. And uh apparently it's a new type of grass they're trying out. It's a cool idea. Maybe don't try it out in the Super Bowl. Uh-uh. Like, try out new grass, yeah. Maybe start with preseason. Preseason would be the best way to do it, because I think if you start doing it in the regular season, then you would have fan bases complaining that, you know, because of this turf and the players are slipping everywhere, it would cost them a chance to say the playoffs. If you do stuff like that, right? And I, you know, yeah. I really, really know, I didn't really pick up on it too much until I think it was one of the kickoffs the Eagles made. And the kicker slipped as he kicked. And I was like, oh, man. Like, that feels terrible because guys are slipping and falling everywhere. And it reminded me, there was an episode of King of the Hill where the guys were trying to save the groundkeeper's job at the high school because he completely destroyed the field. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I remember about it. But the other big comment I want to make on this game, well, two, actually. I'm going to say something controversial here. I don't know how many people would agree with me on this. I don't think Patrick Mahomes should have won MVP. I think the Zebras should have won MVP. That too. Honestly, the best player in that game, in my opinion, was Jalen Hurts. When you rush for three touchdowns as a quarterback, which tied the record, by the way, three three rushing touchdowns every fourth... You know, fourth and goal, or not fourth goal, would have been fourth every down. F- every fourth down is a successful conversion. Yep. You know, you score four touchdowns total, and you don't win MVP. That's robbery, in my opinion. Honestly, I just don't like Patrick. Like, I'm sure he's a great guy. I just think he's supremely overrated. You know what's funny is like I don't I'm not a Mahomes hater. I watch him. He's very unorthodox with the way he plays. But again, I still think Jalen Hurts should have won the MVP. The other other comment, the call for Juju Smith, uh, Juju Smith Schuessler, that was clearly that screwed the Eagles right there. I I'm sorry. My buddy's an Eagles fan. I feel for my buddy Trey because I watched that and I went, that's that's not a hold. That's a ticky-tack call because they weren't calling any really anything in that game. Yeah, they let a lot go. Yeah, which I think really helped the game because I think they realized the year previous it slowed the game down. And then they're not calling anything, but it was just that one call. That's what you want to call and you screwed the Eagles out of a Super Bowl. It- to be fair, it's like can't Philly needed to play a better third quarter. Yeah. Like that's kind of what lost them the game. That's true. I mean, I think that kickoff or the or the when they kicked the ball back to Kansas City and they ran back for that long run, that that hurt them a lot, but I still think that call did him. And the Eagles didn't help on the field, but yeah. that call really didn't help. 
No. Like if the Eagles like if they had gotten that if that 17 play drive, one of the longest in Super Bowl history had generated a touchdown, it's a different game. Mm-hmm. And then giving up two quick touchdowns in the beginning of the fourth, it's over. Like oh. Philly's Philly's D lost them the game, but yeah, Jalen Hurts. He had twice the yardage, more completed plays than Jalen than Mahomes had plays. Yeah, no, Jay, you're right. Jalen Hurts should have been the MVP. Yeah. And I think for me, and I think what a lot of people ended up talking about with Mahomes, Mahomes is doing this on one ankle. He got hurt in that game. He limped off the field. He came back running afterwards. Well, yeah, they juiced him up. I'm like, how much Tortorol did you <laughs> into him to get him ready? Yeah, that's fair. But honestly, I was... Juice. Yeah, but honestly, very happy with the Super Bowl this year. And honestly, it was a good way to close out the year for the NFL season. That last call was BS, but you know what? You're not going to win them all. Next year is going to be a good one. Honestly, I was looking at some of the odds for the favorites right now. The Chiefs are favorites to win their third Super Bowl in five years. And honestly, it's not unrealistic. No. Like, they are a good team. Yep. I just, I don't know why. I just don't like Patrick Mahomes. Do you think maybe because you're a Brady guy? A lot of Brady Probably. I think because a lot of Brady fans don't want people thinking that Mahomes is the next GOAT. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything against Mahomes, if I'm being honest. That's fair. But it's also, I don't know. It's like two Super Bowls in a row that end with a controversial call. To hand Kansas City a Super Bowl. That leaves a bad taste in the mouth. About as bad as Deflategate. Yeah. Because like there was the call on Morrow that took victory out of the job. Sorry, defeat. Sorry, took victory away from the Bengals and gave it to the Kansas City. Yep. <clears throat> like, yeah, so like it really does two in a row it feels like the fix is in yeah as much as it would have been great to see a joe burrow jalen hurt super bowl i was very happy with the mahomes hurt super bowl yeah that's fair that's fair yeah no actually i do want to talk with something about this because i said i mentioned that i was at a super bowl party i gotta give a quick shout out to dan and mike shipley guys who i play fantasy football with we got to play or myself i got to play in the shipley bowl yesterday the Shipley Bowl is a, it just started a couple of years ago with some of the guys I play fantasy football with. They all get together and play touch football in the field behind their house. I talked yep. about this last year. And yours truly scored a TD. Nice. In the last minute, I was all alone. I just went, caught it. What was the play call? Statue of Liberty? It was basically everybody just run into the end zone and I'll throw it to one of you. <laughs> Blockers, who needs those? Exactly. But you know what? It was a really good redeemer for myself because at the very beginning of the of the game, the I was on Mike's team and Dan's team kicked it to us. And I was gonna catch it and the ball went right through my hands off my knee and onto the field. Oh, and, we, and we lost and we lost percent possession. Oh no. Dude, they were they they went up two scores before we knew it and then before halftime we tied it up. <laughs> oh, it was so good, man. It was such a such a good time too. And the weather held up thankfully, so I was very happy about that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. You know what's also awesome, Tim? Is this segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. For a second there, I thought my computer froze. I was like, oh no, what am I ever going to do if my computer froze, Tim? <laughs> but no, are we good? We good? Yeah, we good. We good. All right, Tim, let's start, good. let's start off top of the hour by talking about former NHLer Yarmer Yager, who broke Wayne Gretzky's record for most professional goals with 1,099. Yeah. 
So here we thought Alexander Ovechkin was going to break the all-time goal record. No. Yarmar Yager, baby. Yeah, is, isn't he like 70 or something right now? Holy shit. <laughs> 50. 50, yeah, but it's just like, it's very, very funny. And I keep forgetting that he's still playing in the Czech League. On a team that he owns, too. <laughs> That's just amazing. Yeah, how many seasons does he play? Yeah, he's 50. He's been playing since 1988 in some capacity. Yep. Just bizarre. God, talk about oh, a he guy. bought the Czech team he played with. Yes. Dude, that guy's living his best life. Yeah, like I I can't even think of anyone else who uh the guy's a hockey legend. He is. And you know what? When he officially retires, whatever the hell that is, yeah. that's a first ballot Hall of Famer right there. Yeah, he doesn't he is he going to be dead before he's in the Hall of Fame? I think so. <laughs> he might be if he keeps going. Like, good lord. Yes. Oh, well. Good for Yarmor Yager, though, man. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to give a couple of congratulations to him. We're going to start off with Minnesota Wild goaltender Mark andre Fleury moved past Terry Sawchuk for fourth on the all-time games played list with 972. Flurry, drafted first overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2003, was 58 games behind Patrick Waugh for third place at the time of the story. Flurry is such a weird goalie. Like, just how, like, he's either regarded as, like, the best goal, one of the best goalies in the league, like, right now, or absolutely just done, dusted, flushed. And there's no in between with him, right? Yeah, and that's why he's got the nickname Me Me Andre Fleury. Yeah, like it's just nuts, though. It is nuts, though, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that he kind of in the way that people talk about Joe Thornton is that yeah, he's a great player, but I think people are going to look back on his career when he officially retires and be like, "Wow, this guy had a hell of a career," despite of some of the criticisms they had for him. Yeah. And it's a shame because, like, Fleury does seem like a likable guy. Yeah. And he's had a rough career, too, especially with the way things went down in Vegas and Pittsburgh. He's another guy that I'm surprised hasn't hung up the skates yet. True, but you know what, though? He hasn't been complete garbage. That's why he keeps going, right? Yeah. Yeah, Do you think he'll make Smith it? Good question. I don't know if he would play into his early to mid 40s. I would say I would say close to 40. I would say he would probably hang him up in a couple of years. Yeah. Cuz he is current. Yeah, he's 38. Yeah. And I think this is the one of the first seasons in his career where he's let in more goals than you would expect. Because even at, like last year in Minnesota, dude was good. Remember when he was in Chicago? Oh, man, that was a memory. <laughs> Remember when he first arrived in Chicago and they misspelt Flurry? No. On I didn't jer- know that. Yeah, on the jersey. The first print of those jerseys had his name spelt wrong. I think it was F L U E R Y. Poor guy. Fleury. Fleury. Rip. Oh, poor Mark Andre. Now we're going to give another con- quick congratulations, Tim, to Dallas Stars captain Jamie Benn, who played in his 1000th NHL game during the team's game versus the Anaheim Ducks. Benn drafted 129th overall by Dallas in 2007 and recorded 18 goals. 25 assists for 43 points at 51 games for Dallas at the time of the story. I get you know congrats for him though. Really, because this is a guy who I remember watching him when he was in junior in Victoria. And I remember thinking, this guy's a terrible skater. Like it just like he was lugging himself up and down the ice. 
so I'm glad that he really improved his skating and made the NHL and he's had a career. So got to give him that. Yeah. And it's because Jamie Ben has, he's one of those two was like, I don't like people are like, I don't know what this guy's going to be. And then it was like, this guy's great. And then all of a sudden, like he turned 30 and it seemed like he was about to turn into a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's really brought it back this season. He may not be earning the big contracts that him and Sagan are are currently signed to, but he is uh, he is effective in second line minutes, which admittedly, that's not what you want to be paying $8 million for, but he's had a, Jamie Benz had a good year in Dallas. And if this revive, if he's actually turned down the clock a little, that's great for Dallas. And we might see Jamie Ben play into, into his mid thirties. Yeah. I would like to know what exactly helped Jamie Ben reach that next level in his game, because honestly, you're absolutely right. I mean, he was a guy that I think a lot of people just didn't really know what they had on their hands with Ben. They thought, okay, late round pick. Maybe we'll play in the minors. Maybe might sniff the NHL if he's lucky. But then he completely breaks out. And remember, this is a guy who played on the 2014 Team Canada team as well. And he won the scoring title. Yeah. With 85 points. I wonder how... Yeah, maybe it was good coaching. Maybe it was... uh... Well, he'd already broken out by the time Tyler Sagan showed up. Yeah. Yeah, I really wonder what it is. Because, yeah, like that line of uh, Sagan, Ben, and Radulov was electric for a number of years, too. You know what's funny? When I was actually writing this story up for top of the hour, I completely forgot that Radulov is actually in the KHL right now. I I forgot about Radulov. I forgot he wasn't in the NHL. I didn't. I thought he was still in the NHL. (laughs) oopsie poopsie is exactly it the NHLPA have announced that they will install U.S. Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh as their next exclusive director during the President of the United States State of the Union address just a very kind of odd thing that happened because it's just the guys there during the State of the Union address, and Biden's like, yeah, he's going to be... I forget what Biden actually said, but it's just this very oddly worded quote, and then all of a sudden, next day, he's in the NHL. So it's odd. So I don't really know what to really say about this story, to be honest, Tim, because I'm not really a political guy, as you know, and I'm just... I'm not exactly sure what to say about this, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, it might mean there's a different tack in the way that the NHL and NHLPA approach labor issues, which would be welcome, given the number of uh, lockouts we've had. Although, uh, haven't had one in about 10 years now, which is good. Mm-hmm. No, that's been very good, Tim. Knock on wood. Yeah, I know, right? Knock on the desk. <laughs> So, Tim, we're going to move along and talk about Calgary Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson because yeah, I was really sorry, and actually Katrina showed me the story this past week because he was injured after being struck by a vehicle in Detroit. And This is such a weird story, too. Like, You know, I never thought I would see the following combined to make a headline. NHL player hit on e-scooter. So it's Rasmus Anderson's on like one of those uh, rentable lime scooters, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going through a crosswalk and just gets hit by a car. So, like, I had to ask one of my buddies, is like, is Detroit known for having like reckless drivers? And he's like, well, about as reckless as any other abandoned city. So, is it just like, was it, did they, did he get hit by the drag racer doing time trials or like what happened? I don't know. Or was it the ghost car? Might have been the ghost car. But anyway, uh, from what I've heard, uh, he, he's expected, to, it wasn't that bad of an injury. He's expected to make a full recovery. So hopefully that goes well for Rasmus Anderson. But if anyone knows anything about driving in Detroit, let me know. 
How much you would have bet it was actually somebody from Windsor? Uh, ah. Stupid Windsor Tornians. I don't even know if that's actually the name for it, but that might be it. Yeah. Honestly, you know, actually, you know what's funny? When I was reading this story, you know what I thought of? Do you remember a couple of years ago when the Sens were in Vancouver and Mark Bovrietsky tackled the guy on the bicycle? Right. That was wild. It really was wild, Tim. Just like when the Vancouver Canucks fired Bruce Boudreaux. And speaking of Bruce Boudreaux, he is going to join the NHL Network as a studio analyst. So good on him. It's a holdover job till he gets something. I like it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he's like in, in the booth. Could be interesting. It could be interesting, but excuse me. You know, I've really noticed over the last several years, Tim, is that NHL coaches joining sports networks and stuff like that has actually become more of a trend when you're just needing somebody to hold over until you get a new job. That's true. I mean, like, we had Torts do it. We had Milbury. But Milbury, Milbury. again, so that's fair. But yeah, it started, I think it start, really started with Torts. Yeah, because then Talkit did it. Yeah. Although Mike Keenan also did it back in the day, too. Yeah. Who else did it? I'm just trying to think right now. I'm sure there's others. I'm sure there has to be other coaches that were, I can't think of right now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So we're going to close up top, uh, top of the hour, Tim, by talking about... We're going to close out top of the hour by talking about a couple of re-signings. The Buffalo Sabres have re-signed forward Dylan Cousins to a seven-year, $49.1 million contract with an AAP 7.1. Cousins have recorded 17 goals, 26 assists for 43 points in 49 games for Buffalo at the time of the story. It's nice to see that Dylan Cousins is at least one of these prospects in the Sabres that is developing right because you look at the number of the prospects they've had over the years that just didn't really hit yeah especially big guys like tyler myers tyler ennis middlestead middlestead arguably or just like had weirder curves like yeah for to see buffalo finally get guys like Cousins, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck. Yeah. It's been it's been good to watch, although they've kind of run out of steam recently. Mm-hmm. So Ross- hopefully the vibes stay good for them. Yeah, Ross McDonald has also helped it turn it around. Yeah. So yeah, like I don't think I mind that contract if uh, that's we haven't seen the end of what Dylan Cousins can show us. But yeah. no, like he's a very talented offensive player. He is. I think the only problem for me is that if if he's hit his ceiling already, if this is all he's pretty much hit, this is not going to be a good contract. But I think if you're right, I think if he can show more, then hey, they've got themselves a player. I mean, remember, I was I said the same thing about Tage Thompson. I said you're paying that money for after one year. That's happening a lot off the first RFA contract now. Which I do, I find so, so, I find a little surprising just with how, uh, I guess it like it, it postpones UFA, mm-hmm. but uh, with how much control NHL teams have, especially because like nobody does offer sheets, I do want, I wonder a bit about it, but there's probably, probably, well, it is good to have cost certainty and, I'm guessing the agents are pushing the issue here. So you pay for cost certainty with these big contracts that could become cumbersome. And we're going to close off top of the hour by talking about the final re-signing. Los Angeles Kings goaltender Phoenix Copley has been re-signed to a one-year, $1.5 million contract extension. Copley had recorded a 15-3-1 record with a 9 Sorry, with an 897 save percentage at the time of the signing. So the only, one of the reasons I'm bringing this up, Tim, <clears throat> excuse me, and then, you know, we were talking about Jonathan Quick earlier in this episode. 
the Los Angeles Kings. You've got to realize Copley's been one of the big reasons that they have actually stayed over 500. Yeah. And that goaltending has been a tire fire. Yep. Like, there's no other way to describe that. And uh, he's played well enough that LA has continued to hang around, but. I would not be surprised. Well, it looks like Copley's starting to fall to earth again. Mm-hmm. But it really is a credit to how good LA is defensively that they have these shit goaltenders. And they're still, well, it's how good LA has been defensively and how bad the Pacific is in general. Yeah. That LA is in a playoff spot. Is the Pacific Division now the worst division in hockey right now? I think so. <laughs> like, uh, if if Ottawa was healthy, the Atlantic would be a very scary division. Well, Detroit's kind of backslid a bit, but if you had a healthy Ottawa, you have three incredibly strong teams, three very good teams, like three good teams, and Montreal. Well, yeah, like that's just kind of the way things are on the uptrend there. But man, like the Pacific is, it used to be a very strong division. Like Vegas is floundering. Seattle's a meme team. Vancouver is going, prob- should blow it up, probably won't. Then you have San Jose and Anaheim. Yeah, and Calgary hasn't been that good. Yeah, like Calgary wouldn't be sniffing a playoff spot if it was in the East. No. But like the Central has St. Louis, Arizona, and Chicago. With Nashville, the most mid-team ever in Minnesota. But you have Dallas, Winnipeg, Colorado. While the only like truly good team in the Pacific is Edmonton and Vegas when they're when they are healthy whenever that happens. So yeah, the Pacific is easy mode. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. So I'm trying to talk about some games. Now we only got the one game on the evening, the Oilers versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's talk about the lone Sens game of the evening. Oilers versus Senators. This is a 6-3 Oilers victory. Oilers goes scored by Connor McDavid, Zach Hyman, Ryan McLeod, Derek Ryan, and Jesse Pulley-Arvey. Sens goes scored by Jake Sanderson, Claude Giroux, and Eric Brandstrom. Shots were 40-29 for the Oilers. So I did watch a bit of this game when I was at the walking clinic this past Saturday won't get into that whatever the one thing i really noticed early on man the senators looked rusty i get that they yeah. were they've been off for almost two weeks and it was an afternoon game so i'm not gonna be too hard on him i gotta say though that first mcdavid goal that's just such a fucking meme goal oh yeah and that kind of set the tone for the afternoon about halfway through the first you could see the rust starting to come off and we got that opening the second with that nice goal by Sanderson. And then the second period, it felt like Ottawa had the momentum. They tie up the game. And then Sanderson gets injured and the, the third, just goes off the rails. And what's weird is like Ottawa played well enough on five on five, but their special teams were what let them down. Like two shorthanded goals. Not right, man. Yeah. Like if Ottawa, if, Ottawa was disciplined. That game would have been much closer. And I don't think the Sens played too bad on five on five, but like that the power play was just bad. Yeah. And that's really a shame because the Senators power play has actually looked very good this season. So let's talk about a couple of players here. Let's start off with Jake Sanderson. Got those lone goal on the lone shot. Boy, I'll tell you what a wrister that was right from the yeah. slot. Love it. it- yeah, and uh, 
Sanderson looked in the ice that he saw. I thought he looked really good. Like uh, he didn't get much ice against McDavid, but uh, he actually got the better of McDavid when he was on the ice, which is uh, more than we could say about the Shabbat Zoo pairing that got caved in. Otherwise, yeah, I thought they looked very good. And it's unfortunate that, well, Sanderson just got hit weird. And it wasn't even that, it didn't even look like that bad of a hit on TV. So when it turned out that Sanderson wasn't on the bench anymore, that was very surprising. Mm-hmm. Now, the, now, outside of Jake Sanderson, the other guy who got very hurt in this game, Anton Forsberg, it would be bad enough if he blew one ACL in his knee. He oh, blew both. And what's frust? I found that play so frustrating because that should have been blown dead as soon as the, like, as soon as, uh, like, Hyman heard the pop. And, like, Hyman was yelling at the ref. Like, that play should have been dead. And I wouldn't be surprised if that play continuing made the initial injury worse. Yeah, just watching that, though, oh, it just made my stomach turn. Yeah. It's going to be a long, tough recovery for Forsberg, and I really wish him the best. 100%, man, 100%. Now, we're going to believe I'm talking about Anton Forsberg's injury to talk about something really good. Eric Brandstrom got finally got the first goal on the season on two shots. It's amazing. If this guy was a forward, I think he would have actually been pretty good, but it's a shame that he's being held back on the back end. Well, it's he is a very good mobile defenseman. Like, it's just the guy was weirdly snake bitten. I'm not sure if he's going to be like a world beater in that regard, but I've always been a Brandstrom defender. I like his game. And he played well. And he was finally rewarded with a damn goal. I know. I saw your tweet that you put out after he scored this game. But yeah, like he's... When he's on the ice, the puck's going the right way. He takes far more... He draws more penalties than he takes. The only thing he can't do is score. And it's a shame that he just kind of wallows on the third line when... I'd honestly rather see Sanderson Brandstrom than Sanderson... Hamannick. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, Hamannick has been really bad without Sanderson. Now, the last guy I want to talk about here, Tim, Claude Giroux, one goal on three shots. What can you say? I mean, the guy's just continuing his great play this season. Yeah. But overall, yeah, the game was just rough and like it's like that first period was just like the oh no here it goes right where it like it it just felt like the passes weren't connecting Mm -hmm. and players were really fighting the puck every and it was going back to like every like just weird bounces were happening like the meme goal mcdavid where just this weird ass bounce off the stanchion Mm -hmm. But the first shorthanded by McDavid, where Shabbat just gets absolutely undressed. Unfortunately, McDavid's going to do that, but Shabbat did have to be better. Yeah. Because, like, Shabbat just got pantsed. Yes, he has. And he's been definitely one guy on Twitter that I think a lot of fans have been kind of not super happy with this season. Yeah. But it's also been like he's been like he's been injured, but yeah, he does need to like I'm surprised that the defense hasn't really come along yet. Mm -hmm. Because he's good offensively, but the defense has been a problem this year. No, it definitely has been. It definitely has. Now, do you have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the close for another episode? Nope, I'm good. Okay. I do have one final thing to mention about this game, Tim, and then we'll head off into the close. Yep. Good friend of the show, Kevin Himena, 
celebrated his birthday that day with a trip to the CTC. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was great. I got to see everything on Twitter. Looked like he had a great time. So thumbs up. Kevin's just a great guy. Yeah. I'm just happy to see. Just happy that I had a good day. Did you see his photos with him with the Condors? Yes. Yeah, it looked like he was having a good time, too. I know. What a great guy, man. I love him. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sanscast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. As well, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Third Line Plug. You can find me on both at Great White Gipster, as well as you can find my co-host Tim Genzi on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. So thankfully, Tim, for next week's episode, we've got three games to talk about. Thank God. I know, right? I did have to do one do another episode. We only talk about the lone game. But thankfully, we got three of them. And the three games, the three games are going to be talking about for next week's episode. Tonight's game versus the Calgary Flames at home. Tomorrow night, we'll be playing the New York Islanders in Long Island. And Friday, we return home to play the Chicago Blackhawks. Hopefully the games are going will go better than the Edmonton game, although that Calgary game is looking a bit uh... Yeah, because currently we're at the end of the second period and the Flames are up 2-1. Yeah. And the Sens minus Sanderson has been rough. Yeah. Very much so. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. So Woo!